Set Phasers, a highly illogical Star Trek podcast. People of Earth! <laughs> Happy Friday. I noticed today, Aki, that we were supposed to have some sort of expedition to this, the Intrepid Space and the Air and Space Museum, I should say. Yes, we were supposed to intrepidly venture forth yeah. to attend a lecture probably on the Milky Way or something like that. But alas. I don't remember what we were supposed to do. Me either, because we must have put it in the calendar eight months ago. <laughs> I thought all that pre-pandemic stuff would have, like, petered out around july apparently not yeah <laughs> well we were working around my ridiculous schedule and i think i was like oh yeah the that's 30th right. october that's i'll exactly be home it. That's one and we're them. like let's go to that one now we're going to ourselves mm. because this is our podcast about star trek discovery and uh, so you're listening to set phasers a highly illogical star trek podcast in which we discuss one of our favorites, if not our favorite, depends on the time of day. Uh, Star Trek franchises, Star Trek Discovery, which is in its third season, even as we speak. Episode mm. three dropped yesterday. And so we're going to talk about it. Our star date today is Stardate 31030.8. And thus we will be discussing episode three of season three entitled mm-hmm. People of Earth. People of Earth. Do you want to, do you want to, what are your, what's your, let's just run it down. <laughs> It's time to run it down. Can you run it down for me? What just happened? Can you run it down for me? Okay. Let's talk about episode three. So we know, uh, and then I immediately start talking about episodes one and two. Episode one, Michael gets to the future and she has to deal with future stuff by herself. Discovery has not shown up. Episode two, Discovery shows up, the whole crew, and they have to get their bearings in this future 930 years from when they when they landed. So they are, we get to season three, episode three rather, and that's where Michael uh, finally meets up with Disco. At the end of season two, of episode two, she shows she's the stranger that shows up and pulls him out of the like parasitic ice. And she says, I've been looking for you guys and it's been a year and I finally found you. And they all look at each other. So we begin first with like a flashback and it's Michael doing like a personal log that she's sending out on a repeating frequency to discovery in the hopes that she'll find it. And it's sort of about the year that she's had. And so she's like, you know, talks about the dilithium supplies drying up 700 years after they left. And then the burn happens after that and how she's had to live as a courier. And it's the way that she can find out what has happened to the Federation and other stuff in the future. And um, she kind of is in that year has learned to accept her fate that she doesn't know when discovery will come and that maybe her life is now going to be this. 
And she's sort of talking about how she's learning to become different and she's learning to let them go, even though she will love them forever. And then in the middle of her monologue, she gets an alert that Discovery has shown up. So that's sort of like what must have happened while, you know, Saru and Tilly were down on the surface fighting cowboys. So <laughs> there's a tearful <laughs> reunion at the top of the episode. Michael comes into the, uh, she gets transported in. She hugs Tilly. She hugs Saru. She hugs Detmer. She hugs Owashekun. She, she hugs everybody. It's great. She sees Giorgio. Uh, and it's just a, it's the moment we've all been waiting for for the last two episodes. And now some action begins. So she's talking to Saru and she's kind of basically explaining the whole burn thing. And she also says, well, you know, my friend Book helped, I borrowed his ship and I promised him some dilithium for getting us here. By now we know that dilithium is like the most rare, the most sought after commodity in the galaxy, the sector, the, who knows? Um, and so she says she doesn't quite know about book. It's, it's interesting because I'm not sure if she's telling the truth or if it's real, because when she mentions her friend, Cleveland Booker, Saru says like, Oh, is he from earth? And she goes, no, but that's weird that his name would be Cleveland Booker. Right. She goes on to inform the crew about the burn. And she mentions this transmission to that earth. She found apparently 12 years old from an admiral. Senatal. Uh, but because um, like dilithium is so hard to get, and I guess different forms of fast and light travel are not as fast as world travel, he's been unable to go from they're in to go to Earth. So now that Discovery's back, they'll be able to they'll be able to jump using this four drive directly to Earth. And so she comes up with this idea that they jump just outside of the sensor range and they fly in like they're a ship coming back at sublight that was stranded during the burn. So, Tilly and Michael catch up. I wrote down this quote, even though it's not really a quotable moment, but quote, cake is eternal, which I think is just a beautiful sentiment. Mm. And Tilly, you know, is sort of like, you know, maybe you had to let us go. I understand. And she says, I may not know you now, but I do know you. And she sort of just says, you know, expresses her her fondness for her. Uh, Book comes aboard and gets a... Uh, sort of are you dating my daughter sort of grilling Giorgio which is pretty great and uh, but he does say that apparently they have no he doesn't uh, yeah it's all it's mysterious what exactly Michael and Book have been up to for a year except that they've been currying together I honestly took it at face value and he was like well no we haven't you know because we haven't and I assume it just they just haven't then he said no we're not going to talk about this but the way they said goodbye at the end, I sort of figured nothing's happened. They've tried to keep it professional because they don't know how long they're you know, going to be on this journey together. And that's, that's yeah. what I figured. She does call him in her monologue at the beginning, a friend in the truest sense or in every sense, I think she says. So I still think there's maybe they're not like, you know, for lack of a better word, blinking. But I think there's some, yeah, that's right. I said it. You can bleep it out, America. Oh, no. But um, I think there's something deeper going on there. But we can come to that later. Is it not just, you know, they're in love and they haven't said it yet? It's been a year. So they're the only two people that were, certainly he's the only person she knows. But it does show her, like, interacting with other people. She gets that, I mean, there's that weird 
thing she gets when she says she's trying to find out about what happened to the Federation. She gets that tube from a stranger and it has part of a ship's assignation on it. It has NCC 4774, but the rest is covered by that, that person's thumb. So I don't know. I feel like that was a little hint that she's maybe figured some stuff out. Anyway, so book goes, he meets Michael after he manages to evade Jojo's uh, uh, interrogation. And she gives him a big, like, cylinder of dilithium. And he's sort of flipped out at how much dilithium they have because dilithium is so rare. And Book asks her, like, you know, does this feel like home? And Michael says, it feels familiar, but far away. And Book is sort of inviting her, like, you know, if you don't feel like you owe these people something, you can always come back to what we were doing. And Michael sort of counters with an invitation to Book, like, hey, you can come to Earth with us. We can, we need your ship to help us conceal our dilithium because we'll be, everyone will be scanning for that. And uh, it would help us. And then they have a weird conversation in the elevator. Don't you think this is where I feel like there's a lot of weird stuff going on in subtext? Book says, What we are we talking about? And Michael says, Shush. I mean, he was like, Discovery we, or is there another we we're talking about? What we, what other we is there? I thought if she stays with Discovery or if she goes with Book. It's still undecided. All right. You get to be the you get to be the optimist, but I feel like maybe there's something we don't know. Mm. Um so but Michael does convince Saru to put all of their dilithium on Bookship and then put Bookship in the bay so that it can cloak so that no one can see that they have dilithium and they won't attract any attention. Saru's a little on the fence about it and he kind of questions Michael's judgment because when they got together with the bridge crew and she explained the whole burn thing and they were supposed to have a discussion about who would be captain, right? Because I was left hanging at the end of last season. Uh, Michael just says, no, 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 no. It's you, it's you, it's you. I, I, I don't think, she says, quote, I don't think it was ever me. Mm-hmm. Uh, which I think Saru was like, I, I find it uh, strange that you didn't even consider being the captain after all this time, after looking first for a year. But, you know, whatever, like you say, maybe Michael just... But after just- all this time, she's had to let it go. And to come back to it, and it's just been too long. To be captain? She spent one year in the future. <laughs> I'm not going to get, you're not going to comply corner me. Right? <laughs> she spent one year in the future, and she spent the rest of her whole life. But she's like, changed. An adult being changed. Starfleet. Well, yes. But has she changed so much that she doesn't want the captaincy? She doesn't want to lead this crew? You, more than anyone, know that some people don't want to be captain. But that's not Michael from before. I don't want to be captain. I've never wanted to be captain. Right. Yeah. I know. Michael does not have that going on. She was number one on the Shenzhou. She was like next in line to be captain. I mean, come on. Yeah, but you can reconfigure your She's the priorities. one that was driving Tilly to figure out how to become part of the command training program. And how she's, she's a driven person who would seek the highest level of, I mean, she gave that speech at the end of season one. Anyway, I just think it's very curious. Right. She shows up with the new hairdo, and she's like, ah, I don't want to be captain, whatever. Okay, so they do a black alert, and they go to uh, the Earth system. They jump just outside of Saturn. They approach Earth, but then uh, discover that Earth is surrounded by a super-duper force field. And then two ships come out from the surface, and they are confronted by... Uh, person by who hails them by the name of Captain Doye, uh, who says that she is from the United Earth Defense Force, 
and that discovery is not welcome here. Uh, and after some discussion where Saru, I guess, passes muster by saying, like, we're a Starfleet ship. We just showed up. And we don't have anything. We're not pirates or anything like that. She says, okay, well, maybe we can talk, but first you have to undergo inspection. And Saru says, okay, great. We'll prepare for your arrival. And she's like, we're coming aboard now. And then the entire ship is swarmed with United Earth Defense personnel who immediately start doing an intensive search of the ship. Uh, so Michael and Book, who were out of uniform this whole time, rush back to Michael's room and they put on uniform. I know exactly mm-hmm. where you're going with this. They put on uniforms. That's it. Oh, I thought you were going to say something about Book's abs. Oh, well, listen, I mean, I can, <laughs> I can walk and chew gum. They're putting oh. on the uniform so that they can blend in so mm-hmm. that nothing seems untoward. And Book's delicious abs are on view for all the world to see. Uh, that's, there ain't nothing wrong with that i mean he's got some love handles that boy though yeah but they're they're the right kind of love handles they're 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 perfectly apportioned Mm. i wouldn't i'd say i wouldn't even call them love handles they're like uh they're just uh it's we don't have to get into it Mm -hmm. book is uh book is in (laughs) great shape he's not like weirdly skinny he's he's like a he's a in shape fellow who who talks to plants and animals yep nothing wrong with that he's a sensitive soul He's a space druid. Okay, yep. so. With killer abs. With killer abs. Listen, they may have love handles, but they're nice to look at nonetheless. So you yeah. tell me. <laughs> okay, so uh, Michael and Giorgio meet up once Michael's in her suit. And Giorgio says like, oh, you look a little uncomfortable in that suit. And Michael sort of throws it back to her. But Giorgio, I think, really has Michael's number because she, at this point, she goes like, oh, you've been on your own for like a year. You got used to like calling shots the way you like to call them. And now it's a little difficult to have things go back to the way they were. And Michael's like, oh, I don't know. And then Giorgio's like, please, I can see the look in your eyes. I can see that you, you uh, all your life have had these responsibilities and they are gone and you started to figure out what you would do if you were in charge of yourself. And now you're finding it hard to let someone else be in charge of you again. And she walks off. So dun, dun, dun. That's what I'm saying. I'm just saying there's something going on with Michael. That's all. Okay. Uh, Michael shows up in Saru's ready room. Saru's talking to Captain Doye. And basically we find out that Earth rebuilt itself after the burn to become self-sustainable. But they've had to be extremely defensive because there's so many attackers coming at them for their dilithium. And the most recent attacker is apparently someone ruthless by the name of Wen, who's been shooting down their ships and trying to steal their stuff. And they wanted to make sure the discovery wasn't somehow in league with Wen. Uh, But they also find out that Starfleet has not been on earth for the last hundred years. So the message that they're trying to find that was from 10 years or 12 years ago. Mm -hmm. um, It's a mystery as to how they could have received that because Starfleet headquarters moved right after the uh, the burn because apparently Earth felt it made them a target for people who wanted dilithium. They didn't know if it was an attack, what the deal was. So nobody knows where Starfleet HQ is. Meanwhile, in the science lab, Stamets and Tilly are making a new quote friend slash um, someone has arrived who's younger and and more exuberantly annoying than Tilly, basically, and also annoys Tilly, which I think is great. Uh, and that is, uh, I guess, Inspector Adira. I don't know exactly what the rank for Adira would be. But basically, Stamus is running around like 
with like a chicken with his head cut off because they're going through all his stuff and he doesn't he's like what are you doing there why are you touching that and they catch adira doing something with one of the panels and then adira deflects by saying why is that spore cube hooked up to the main bridge and sam's just like uh what are you talking about that's this i do experiments there get, get out of here and then the person in charge tells adira like we're here to investigate not to uh forget the word that he used engage not to engage and he says we're done and he pulls back in his tiny glowing drones and he says we're about to get out of here but then red alert baby because five ships come out of nowhere and it's when red alert it's when ships and Indoye is on the bridge with saru when he arrives because they were just coming out of that meeting and when actually hails discovery and captain doye says not to respond that they don't respond they have standing orders just to shoot down when, which of course is counter to everything Starfleet stands for. And Saru's like, you have no authority on my bridge. So he's like, open a communication. They talk to Wen, and he turns out to be um, not super talkative. He's basically like, uh, surrender your dilithium or we'll shoot at you. We'll take it by force. We want it now. We don't believe that you're a ship that has been sailing at sublight. You showed up on our radar suddenly and uh, we're going to come and get you. So Doye is like, okay, listen, if you're not going to take this seriously, then I'm going to take it seriously. And she contacts all her inspectors. She's like, let's get out of here. And we're going to take care of when with our like planetary defenses or something. But when they try to transport out, they're unable to do so. And Doye says, okay, this is sabotage. And Saru says, please, we would never sabotage. We'll find out what the situation is. But for now, we're going to take care of when, and you can just sit still and take it easy. Meanwhile, Michael's come up with a plan, which he has not informed anyone of. She goes to find Book, who's trying to <laughs> trying to get a buzz on by drinking alcohol, only to find out that it's synth hall and therefore practically useless for that. And Michael's like, we got to go get your ship, and we're going to fly out there. And she mentions some plan they came up with, Donatu 7 plan. She's like, do you remember that? And he's like, no. And she's like, you remember? And he's like, yeah. Uh and so we get a, uh, a, a, as they're like doing this caper that they're doing, we get a, a, an experience of like how much, uh, how many, how much shenanigans, how much, how many capers, how many close calls they've been in over the year that they've been together because they're sort of like, what about that thing we did at that place that time? And he's like, no, I'll get a bloody nose. And he's like, what about that thing we did at the other thing? And Michael's like, no, I was pulling scales out of my, my head or whatever. Uh, so they leave with Bookship. Uh, Discovery picks up on that. Uh, Discovery, they have no idea why Michael would have left the ship. And Michael started depending on Saru to figure it out. Saru's confused, but Giorgio helps Saru figure out like that maybe there's some cloak and dagger here and he's going to need to be intuitive and play along. Meanwhile, Michael's able to negotiate with Wen by saying, we have the dilithium, we'll give you what you need. Uh, Earth f- does fire some torpedoes and Discovery moves itself into the way of the torpedoes. It's worth mentioning that Detmer has a bit of a, a insubordination moment at that, that time, but then eventually comes to. Um, Michael uses Discovery's position as leverage to get Wen to agree with her. And then when Wen says transport the dilithium over, uh, we, shoot, we shoot back to the Discovery. We have no idea how that went. But uh, eventually, Michael and Book show up with Wen, and they say, we got him, and we still have all the dilithium, and they're not going to fire on us while their commander's with us. And also, Wen has, like, a weird 
mask on, like a sort of insectoid head mask. Not sure. Uh, so we don't really know what the deal is. But once they take Wen aside and they try to negotiate between Wen and Ndoye for the Earth uh, Collective or whatever, uh, Giorgio reveals when she rips the helmet off, possibly killing him if he couldn't breathe atmosphere, but whatever she knew, um, that Wen is actually human, a human from uh, Titan. There was a base on Titan that had declared itself independent from Earth but then suffered a tragic accident. And when they approached Earth to ask for help, they were immediately shot out of the sky. And so they have not been able to communicate because as you may recall, they have standing orders to just basically shoot whoever shows up. But Michael and Saru are able to get them to come to the table and, and discuss things. So maybe share some dilithium and share some research and negotiate something because after all, they are living uh, in the same solar system. Uh, in the meantime, Stamets finds Adira who had in fact stolen like some scans and basically explains the whole deal to Adira, like uh, the spore drive and that he's the pilot and that the ship is from 930 years ago. And that if Adira wants to know any more, uh, well, it's weird because Adira basically says like, I want to go with you and says that uh, she knows Admiral tall. And so then I guess she gets special dispensation from Endoya to, to go with Discovery once everything's been sorted and the negotiations are happening. And it, we find out that, um, well, this is weird. We find out that uh, Adira is Admiral Tull because even though Adira is a human, somehow uh, Adira has connected to a Trill symbiont, which apparently only trills could do but now maybe humans can do it anyway but is unable to access the memories perfectly uh and so that's sort of the situation discovery finds itself in there's one little final scene where the bridge crew finally does get some to go down to earth and uh, see the campus where they were 930 years ago and the camera pulls back as they look up and we see starfleet headquarters no longer starfleet headquarters but still the golden great bridge stands and that people of earth episode three so what did you think what did you think i really liked it i think there was a lot of like emotional release and you know that you would get with a freaks episode as we were saying earlier yes i think with freaks you get a lot of the like interpersonal it's a bit of a mm. the star trek is a family experience um freaks is very good at framing that mm -hmm. he's also great at doing like high adventure stuff with star trek but when he directs an episode like this i can see why maybe they picked him or he picked it because he was great for this uh but you were saying that people have been critical of the episode saying it was too scooby-doo yeah the fan groups there was some criticism about it in fact sorry it wasn't the the fan groups it was um uh one of the blogs or a couple of the blogs said it was very scooby-doo or scooby-doo did a better job of doing scooby-doo than star trek did yeah. And I think obviously I, uh, the moment yeah. was when, you know, Philip Giorgio pulled off the head of when, when, yeah. when, 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 who's on, who's on first. I'll tell you tomorrow. So the, I think that is uh it's a sick burn pun intended, but also ridiculous because that's the show is not about the ghost in the cupboard. The show is about 
what has happened in the future. So the little twist, the micro twist is that Wen is actually a human from mm. Titan and that, uh, but what we're learning is not, well, surprise, surprise, humans live on Titan. That's not the thrust, the main thrust of this episode. The main thrust, in my opinion, of that A plot line was that Earth has become this sort of highly defensive, highly militarized, they're out of the Federation, self-sustaining, take on all comers, don't even come talk to us, sort of like strongman mm-hmm. nation. Now, maybe they still have freedoms and stuff. I, we didn't really get into their their whole geopolitical situation, but it would have been like, help anyone who needs help. You know, the Federation doesn't fire first kind of thing. They've just been indiscriminately shooting visitors out of the sky because they think that they might be attackers, which, you know, that's the thrust of the episode is that we were learning more about this future being sort of a dark place again you know not to belabor it but the wild west metaphor is apt Mm -hmm. that if you have a safe town or you know plot of land you just you you somebody approaches and you don't like the way they look you just shoot first and ask questions later there's no since there's no federation there's no goodwill of broadly is do you think we're we're starting to see a theme of individualism in the future and then being brought back to this principle and morale morality of starfleet i mean possibly we i mean as an underlying reflection of what is going on politically if we assume that everything is going to end well then my guess would be starfleet's back baby you know that would be the goal but so far we haven't seen that that's the case we've seen how starfleet and the sort of the the moral compass of Saru, who is the sort of the embodiment of Starfleet decision making right now, butts up against everything else in this in this time. Uh, pretty much every time he's encountered someone, they've gone, they have dismissed his methods out of hand as being sort of Pollyanna-ish, even mm. if they did work in the end, you know. Yeah, and and both times he's been sort of unable to establish that his method might have worked. Because in on the saloon on the mining planet, Giorgio shows up and kills everyone except for uh, the main bad guy. And here, Michael, uh, without permission, does this whole gambit weird thing, switcheroo to capture Wen. So there's it's really a demonstration, of, I feel like, of what Starfleet would like to be and a universe or a galaxy, at least, that's sort of like you're, this is antiquated. When Adira says this ship is like a museum, I think that also pertains to the people living on it and perhaps their points of view. Their points. I'm just going to go off on a tangent very quickly. I thought that Adira was going to be a non-binary character, not necessarily just a non-binary actor. I only read that there was going to be a non-binary actor. I mean, we don't know any. They've been calling her she. It could be an Mm. assumption. Fair. I wonder if we're going to get No that. one from Earth has gendered her. Like, Ndoya doesn't say she can stay. That's Ndoya true. Ndoya says, Inspector, Adira has my leave to remain with you. Mm. That is true. I'm so, curious. It's really the assumptions of Tilly mm-hmm. and Stamets yeah. uh, and Saru. Uh, I mean, okay. Here are some things to think about, since people think this episode was so Scooby-Doo. Number one. Are you, wait, are we could plot cornering? No, no, no. This is not a... I'm not on a rant. These are just discussion <laughs> prompts. Are you sure? I feels a bit ranty. No, no. Not ranting yet. Probably will if you keep saying Scooby-Doo. <laughs> the, <laughs> I'm just the messenger. 
that's you know that's true wait i just want to get these out because i right. think these are things to watch for one what is book gonna do now apparently it's too far for him to travel back to the sector he and michael have been living in for the last year is there an exchange in this sector where earth is he's is he gonna save more psychedelic space worms like what's his deal i think that possibly there may be an ulterior motive there or some hidden agenda that we just have not we don't know because Michael and Book speak in like half inside joke, half silences. So I'm curious how Book, obviously they're not just going to have Book disappear after being so prominent for two episodes. Uh, I mentioned the militarized Earth and the disappeared Federation. Uh, and, and I think, you know, I know you disagree, but I feel like Michael's got a bunch of secrets. And I'm curious what they are because like I said, giving up the captaincy seems very strange to me. Uh, and her change in demeanor is notable. This is the person who sacrificed their whole existence to, to save discovery and, and sentient life two seasons in a row. I feel like she's just had time to meditate. No, no, I don't buy it. I don't buy it. There's some weird stuff going on there. The we that she had in the elevator, uh, the ways that she keeps... You she stop has some calling mysterious... it an elevator. The turbo lift. Thank you. And the... Uh, do you want to have a complot corner? And the uh, the way that she explains to Saru that she says... Uh, oh, what does she say? She says, I adapted and did what I had to learn, did what I had to do to learn what happened and why. She's being very, very circumspect in her dis- in explaining where she's what she's been up to. She's like, oh, I've lost some things and it's going to take me some time to find them. I'm just saying there's secrets there. Also, Giorgio, Giorgio knows something is up. Giorgio says to Book when he's like, where's Michael? Giorgio says, in another world, I might have said Michael is somewhere being earnest and doing the right thing. In this one, I'm not so sure. That's, I trust Giorgio implicitly with my life. You trust Giorgio implicitly with your life. That is someone no one would trust implicitly with their life. Well, don't, I'm not trusting Giorgio to be, to give, to bake me cupcakes and give me breakfast in bed, but I trust Giorgio. Hers, if she thinks something is weird, something is weird. She knew about Leland before Leland. She knew, she knows, she knows. She knew when, um, What's his face came back that he was full of it. I've already forgotten his name. Captain from season one. Oh, uh, Lorca. When Lorca came back, she was like, no, she didn't buy it. Mm. I'm just saying. Giorgio, two people that it's hard to fool on Star Trek Discovery. Tilly and Giorgio. And they both have direct conversations with Michael where they say, we don't really know who you are now. Giorgio is sort of like, oh, you're kind of doing some crazy stuff. And Tilly's like, I don't know who you are, but I still love you. So I suspect Michael's got a lot of stuff going on in this year that she has not yet communicated to the rest of her crew, if indeed she plans to integrate to the crew. She did accept the job as number one. Scooby do that. What about, do we have any other thoughts, any other plot points we want to discuss? No, that's about it. I feel, I feel, well, you know, Detmer, we were worried that she was under the control of control last I think episode. that will happen next episode. I have a feeling. 
I think it's less that and more that she's like suffering from PTSD after this episode. I think it was it was a, a deliberate moment where she questioned Saru's order. Mm-hmm. She seemed sort of shy to take another hit. So we'll see. Could be control. Could not be. All right, we'll see. We shall these are see. my these are our predictions, and we're gonna come back to these, and we're gonna watch these, and we're gonna fight about it. No, actually, it. talking That's about Ed, the one big reveal was the the burn and what it was. We were finally told what the burn was. Well, but still not what it was really, right? Yeah, we're told that the um for for some reason dilithium this is what I mean was inert, but yeah, it's not for inert and exploded. Yeah. Also, we found out it was sort of mentioned br- very briefly in Michael's description that the burn happened after dilithium supplies had dried up. So in her intro personal log, she says 700 years after we left, dilithium supplies dried up and then came the burn. Okay. I I think there's a lot of there's a lot of easter eggs in here. Frakes mm-hmm. was was a busy 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 little boy. Mm. <laughs> Hiding all this menace beneath hugs and tears. Mm-hmm. All right. That's well, all we shall see. I yeah. w- but obviously, someone is behind the burn. Someone yeah. wanted Starfleet out of the way. Mm-hmm. Someone wanted to potentially monopolize dilithium. Mm-hmm. We don't know to whom it benef- benefited. No, yeah. we don't. We shall doesn't see. Seem like it was, doesn't seem like it was Earth. No. Doesn't what? seem like it was the exchange, per se. We'll see. Yeah. Mm. Someone we've yet to meet, perhaps. Almost certainly. And also in the next time thing, there was a lot of Michael shooting people in the next episode. So we'll see about that. Yeah. Uh, do you want to move on to quotable moments? Let's do it. Quotable moments. There weren't a lot of like long speeches here because uh, I feel like they were too busy distracting us from the things that were really happening. I stand by it. Saru had a nice moment when he took over. Yes, he said, you know, I didn't write that down, but I think he said something to the effect that the name of this ship is Discovery and never has that been more more apt and more prescient. And we will, we have come to the future and we will make it a bright one. There was something about bright or light or something into the yeah. future, yes. Uh-huh, yes, I liked that. Uh, so pleased for Doug Jones, he's a captain. Doug Jones Love our Doug Jones. Doug Jones yes, I- likes our podcast, do you know that? Well, he, yeah, I heard that he liked something that we did. He did, yeah. I think something that you did. He liked two things uh, that we did. Oh, well, mm. gosh. Well, that means two, it's more than one, and it's, yeah, know, well, he's a fan. Once he gets to three, we'll see, right. you know. Uh, I'll quote him here, because I enjoyed when he, instead of dressing down Michael after not um, informing him of her plan, he just says, yes, you should have. And he says, quote, trust must remain an assumption between us. I like the Saru command style. It's not uh, quite as, it's not mm. manic cowboy, crazy pants, Lorca. And it's not charming cowboy with the heart of gold and deep and a deep well of thoughts like Pike, but mm. it is something. Something it's in the, very yeah. It's very, it's very empathetic. He's, uh, yes, you're right. Absolutely empathetic. Um. And uh, just Giorgio, just to underscore my point, she says to Michael when they're having that walk and talk, once you've grown used to living by your own rules, not so easy to follow other people's, is it? Amen. That's all I'm saying. Michael's been out there running and gunning 
Kapla. Kapla. No, I, Kapla. This, is, uh, this is a very light Kapla corner. I'm just saying that if you think this series is suddenly going to turn into um, like an episodic, everything is happy at the end thing because of the last two episodes, then I think you've, you've taken the bait that you, they want you to take. Never in the last two seasons have they had anything that wasn't a story arc of six or seven episodes. Mm. So. All right. Shall we? We've only, we've only just scratched the surface. We didn't go to the mirror universe until like eight episodes in in season one. All right. Done. Not going to, not going to rant. Shall we, shall we next time? Yes. Let's next time. Next time on set phasers. All right. Well, next time on set phasers, we will discuss season three, episode four of Star Trek Discovery. We have the name of it. It is Forget Me Not. Did I just cut off there? Because it got weird. Choppy here. A little, yes. We're fine. We got you. Forget Me Not. All right. I'll say it again. I'm going to go back. Pick up. I'm going to pick it up. Season three, episode four, Forget Me Not. So... Tune in for that. I suspect a lot of terrible things are going to happen, and Steph is keeping her her thoughts to herself. <laughs> but uh, listen, thank you for joining us, no matter who you agree with. <laughs> and if you enjoy the program, you can catch us every Friday at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Facebook Live or as a podcast every Monday, wherever podcasts come from. And if you can find it, please subscribe, rate and subscribe. It's it's very helpful to us. It is. It's very helpful to us and important. And don't forget, if you do want to join us on our Patreon, this weekend we are doing a Netflix watch party. We we love to watch, watch Trek and we want to watch Trek with you. So if you want to watch with us on Sunday at 4 p.m. Eastern, we are going to be watching... Tinker Tenor Doctor Spy. Taylor Doctor Spy. No, it says Tenor. I looked it up. It said Tinker Tenor Doctor Spy because he's a tenor. Oh, does he do some singing? Yeah, oh. I think so. So we're uh, so it's uh, season five or six, is it? From uh, I think Voyager. It's season six of Voyager. Season six so. of Voyager with uh, our favorite Doctor in the house. So yes, Robert join us Picardo. on Patreon for that. We are patreon.com forward slash Set Phasers Podcast. Yes, if you want to continue us in our support us in our continuing mission, then you can go to patreon.com slash setphasers and support us and you can watch shows with us and you can be a big, big, big nerd. Yep. With us. You won't feel with out us. of place. Yeah, not alone. This is a where it's a it's a welcoming community, Scooby-Doo or no. <laughs> well, until next time or until Sunday, I'm Steph Manns. And I'm Aki Burmese, and this has been Set Phasers, a highly illogical Star Trek podcast. Computer. End program. Hmm?